Hey everybody, it's Klaatu, and in this episode, I just kind of wanted to chat a little bit about commands, new and old. Something has has occurred to me lately, and that is how how difficult it is sometimes to get to get rid of a command. And and I don't mean literally, like you can uninstall a command. That's easy. I mean culturally if you will. So, first of all, just in case you're relatively new to this show, yes, lately I have been uh, going through every single package on a Slackware install disk. Gonna continue that next episode. This episode I just kind of wanted to take a break and kind of sit back and talk about this this idea of, of, of of a traditional command. This has occurred to me Lately, for whatever reason, I've just kind of noticed that there are some commands that you hear about one day, you hear about them having been deprecated, although I guess if we go linearly, first of all, you hear about the command. You learn about the command from some place. And then later, you hear that that command has been deprecated. And then five, seven, nine years go by, and you think, that command has been deprecated. Wait a minute, why is it still on uh, on every Linux box I sit in front of? And there there are quite a few examples of this that I can think of off the top of my head. There's netstat, for instance, which gives you a list of ports and sockets that are active on your system. There's um, ifconfig, which gives you a list of all of your inter... In, in, inter um, network uh, interfaces that's the word i was talking about uh telnet which talks to ports on on other systems or on your own system if you need to test a port somewhere um those are the ones that came immediately to mind that i've been noticing lately i'm sure there are others like i mean heck apt dash get it's not a command anymore i mean it is but it's not really it's just apt now you just type in apt space install you don't have to do apt dash get install uh yum instead of dnf or rather dnf instead of yum things like that they exist we hear about them or we rather we learn about them and then we hear at some point that they're deprecated and i mean in the case of netstat which i guess that must be the one that really made me start thinking about this for whatever reason if you do a man netstat uh, pretty pretty early in the manual pay in the man page, uh, after all the options are listed, which I mean to be honest, there are lots of options. Like the synopsis of options is a good half a screen full. So after all that, in the notes section, it says v- very clearly this program is mostly obsolete. Replacement for netstat is ss. Replacement for netstat dash r is ip root replacement for or route uh, replacement for netstat dash i is ip dash s link replacement for netstat dash g is ip uh, m matter m a d d r so i mean the man page tells you it's obsolete it, it it tells you right there in in the place where you would go to reference it that you i guess shouldn't be using the command although how how i mean how can you take that seriously if it's still on on your system and that's that's kind of one of the questions what are the angles here that i want to want to think about and and talk over so i i figure the 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 problem or the phenomenon maybe because maybe it's not a problem i don't want to i don't think it's necessarily a 
problem, but it is a thing that I have noticed, so it is a phenomenon. There are commands that people get used to. At some point, the commands decide that they're no longer useful for whatever reason. And then we all continue to use them anyway. Or we, uh, we use an unholy mix of the old command and the new command. I don't really use if config anymore, but for a very long while I was using IP for for one set of of tasks and if config for that quick list of internet uh, interface uh, your list of network interface cards so devices whatever cards nics network interface card yeah and it wasn't because uh, ipas i mean that's literally how short you can make that it, it's ip space a space s that 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 will resolve to ip address show ip space s dash a or a space Yes, uh, it, that that's fewer characters, I think. I P space A space S. That's six if config. Yeah, that's fewer characters than if config. It does this, basically the same thing, almost exactly the same thing. So it wasn't that the command was um, too sort of complex, or that you had to do a bunch of weird jump through weird hoops to get to the same result. It it was it was just pure muscle memory or maybe a combination of um impulse and muscle memory you know because there is that millisecond between your brain thinking oh, i need a list of my nicks and then actually typing in a command and it, if in that millisecond your brain has already loaded preloaded if config into it then that's what's going to get typed so there's something kind of deep within your your thinking that you have to sort of reset if you want. If you want to use the new command, you have to reset that impulse so that when you set, when you think, I need a list of, of uh, I need to do a task, well, that thing needs to be loaded as the thing that you're going to type so that it can kind of override what your fingers are used to doing at that impulse. So in other words, I'm saying that one of the hurdles a new command has to get over in order to, 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 to take over the old uh, command is just force of habit. It's just muscle memory or, or impulse control. It's just, that's, it needs to get over that, which is, is difficult. And I think in a way, um, it has to be a very conscious choice. And so if, if the command remains available on a system, I think there's a very high probability that that command will continue to be used, whether the command itself wants to be used or not. Whether the person, the user, you and me, want to use that command or not, it's going to get used. At some point in, in this show, in this podcast, I removed the command less from my system. I don't remember when it was, but I kind of, I vaguely remember actually doing it. You know, I remember that that was a thing that I decided to do and it might have been back. No, I don't think it would have been that far back. I talked about less in episode 1246. I talked about less in episode 1246, maybe. Yeah, maybe. So, I mean, that was like over a year ago, maybe two years ago. I don't, I don't remember when I switched to the just straight number episode uh, format, but it was, it was a while ago, right? I, I removed less from my system. I'd resolved to just use most instead. I don't 
don't love more for everything, but I just wanted to try something different most. And so I removed less from my system. And I swear, just last month, I piped something to less and was genuinely surprised that less wasn't on my system. Couldn't understand how it wasn't on my system. So not only had I forgotten that I'd resolved not to use less, I'd also forgotten that I'd resolved not to use less so firmly that I removed it from my system. Now, to be honest, it's not it's not really unusual for me to forget something like that. That's 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 how my memory works. That's fine. That's not that unexpected. But I'm just saying, I've been using most on this Slackware desktop for for over a year and I'm still not quite used to it. And frankly, I I'm I'm not really sold on most yet to be honest. I mean, it's it's nice. It works. I'm not sure that I prefer... I, th I think less might be the pager of choice, to be honest. So maybe there's something about the way certain commands and how they work that for whatever reason, in real life, it's just... we, we just feel like it's better. So for instance, with net, netstat, net, net, netstat might be one of the worst... one of the worst examples or best examples. But I mean, that one paragraph that I read you, this program is mostly obsolete? Well, what does mostly obsolete mean? And then it lists four different replacements for different aspects of netstat. So netstat, the replacement is ss. Okay, so replacement for ss. It's another utility to investigate sockets. That's what, it's, that's what it advertises itself as. It seems to have a bunch of options. Seems like it's probably pretty reasonable. But then... But then netstat says that the replacement for netstat-r specifically is IP route or root. And then that netstat-i is IP-slink. And netstat-g is IPMADDR. So the dash G is for groups, the dash S or not dash S, the dash I is for uh, interface uh the a table of of network interfaces uh dash r of course is f for the for route for, for the routing table um so yeah and 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 so why are those listed so i i think in a way i mean it might be it might just be that hey that's a these are other options these are other options that you might need to get the information or it might be well you can't do th this with ss so use this instead um so in other words ss the the replacement or ip the replacement for netstat is not a drop-in replacement now for if config I'm, I'm trying to think of anything that if config can do that for instance ip can't and i i i can't think of anything personally um i could be incorrect about that though i i you know like I could be I could over I could be overlooking something in if config that someone uses all the time that just IP just cannot do. So I could be wrong about that. But you know if you if you talk to people, um, they they tell you, and I don't know who they is, and I don't know who these people are, but they'll all tell you that if config is is deprecated and that IP is the thing that you should be using. And yet I haven't really come across a system so far, I don't think, that doesn't have if config. And then you have to kind of ask yourself, well, why would we still have if config then? Why why wouldn't we just write a little shell script or something, or have it in every dot bash RC file or or something where when you type in the the string if config, 
Why doesn't it just symlink itself essentially to IP dash uh, uh, adder show IP ADDR space show? Um, why wouldn't that be the thing? Because because th that if config with no arguments lists all of your interface cards. So or or I should say interfaces because it could be virtual interfaces, um, and and so does IP. AS, so why not just have that sort of as a drop? That that part would be a drop drop-in replacement. I I imagine there are mappings like that all over the place. Why wouldn't there be like a, a shim essentially or a translator that would just forward a request onto if config? And I, I think I know the answer to that. And I think the answer is because then people don't realize that they're not running if config. And then they're filing bugs against if config in theory, or they're complaining about if config when really what they're complaining about is the resolution to that command um, as, as IP space A space S or, or whatever. So I, I'm, I'm assuming that that's why we don't do those things, which I think there's a corollary to this, to, to, to all of this. There's a corollary, which is why are the namespaces, as it were, of commands, or I should say of tasks, occupied by specific commands? And I don't want to get off track and talk about that yet, so put a pin in that. We're going to come back to it probably after the coffee break. Okay, so I think, to recap, First of all, we've got force of habit that we're overcoming. Second of all, we've got the fact that not everything that you do with the new commands is an exact duplication of the old command, which kind of makes sense. I mean, this is this is the same thing. Oh, but okay, so before I go into that again, though, and, and also just because they're there, right? And if you type in a thing that you're used to because of force of habit and it and it works, then there's no incentive for you to switch. Now, even if you want to switch, though, sometimes there's not an exact mapping. You can't just say, okay, instead of if config, I'll type in the word IP, and then this, and then that, and then it'll all work. Or, you know, maybe netstat would be the better example there. Netstat dash, what was it, G? Well, there is, you know, SS doesn't do that, apparently, I guess. So you have to do IPMADDR. Okay, great. So there's not this exact one-to-one -one drop in replacement which is problematic because i mean think of all the scripts out there that have been written not for ip but for if config you can't just go through there and do a said if config ip and be done with it like that won't work you can't just swap out the command there there's a whole you know there are all these different sort of forks in the road that you may or may not have to follow depending on what you're trying to do that's i think that's that's a, a difficulty in a lot of different senses uh number one you you have to find out what those alternates are right so if you've heard netstat deprecated ss and then you can't figure out how to get that group listing with ss and then you realize oh apparently that doesn't work although honestly i haven't actually confirmed that that doesn't work but according to the man page of netstat you're supposed to be using ip g to get that so i guess it must not work with ss or if it does then it's a different option and it must be different enough for someone to mention hey you can do this also with ip so I think that's that's a difficult thing, not only for the brain, the human brain, to process and to discover, and it is hard to discover, uh, and it's hard for you to adjust your scripts. And I think, you know, if you're kind of new-ish to Linux, or if you're new-ish to Linux administration, then I think you may not know just how... how um, how entrenched a, a couple of scripts can get into an environment. And... It, and 
when you know if you if you were to remove a command like if config let's say you don't really know what's going to break like how many of your scripts relied on the output probably heavily parsed uh, and very specifically parsed but how many of your scripts that that are you know making sure that there's a fallback connection or or that you're able to find the the right virtual machine running on some server how how many of your scripts rely on if config i don't know but if if that's out there then you're going to have to go adjust all of those things and not all of those things as i said will just be a, a quick find and replace it it's sometimes a, a bigger deal than that and that takes maintenance so why would you do that if if config is still on the system and i think that's that's also kind of that speaks to the the expectation of do we really expect users to drop what they're doing in their daily life to all of a sudden essentially relearn a bunch of stuff that they had down 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago? Do they need to do they really need to stop and learn the new command or if the old command has been working all this time and continues to work today, why make that investment? And again, I want to reiterate, I'm not necessarily saying any of this is a bad thing. I'm just analyzing why it seems to be difficult to get away from a command. Maybe, you know, in maybe it's not a bad thing that it's difficult to get away from a command. In fact, I think there's an, a, a very valid and significant argument that it's a good thing that you don't ha that you can't get away from a command that you don't have to get away from a command that that command lulls you into decades literal decades of reliance like you just can't say that about other operating systems you honestly can't like i don't know of anything on any other operating system not that i'm qualified to speak on that i've been using linux for well over um a decade almost two decades now i've been using linux exclusively at work at home that's all i know at this point so, but in my limited experience then in my past experience i certainly I, I can't think of anything that i i could rely on to be unchanged for longer than a release cycle which granted you know it could be release cycles used to be quite long actually i mean five years six years seven years until the next uh, major release of an os a lot of people didn't even get a new os they just got the new computer and and you try to make those traditionally last for as long as they can so after that though you kind of expect that everything's changed and generally for a desktop user that's fine that that's okay that everything changes you don't have customized scripts running special services that that hundreds of hundreds or thousands or, or what however many number of people are relying on them it's not a big deal now, linux obviously has a lot of sort of different expectations around that and so i think it's a good thing that we can say that if config continues to function as expected today just like it did back in 2006 ish when i got into linux i mean that's a that's a huge deal that's a really big deal and that's a lot to overcome for a new command because when you have a command as a user you've got a command that you know you love Maybe you don't even love it. Maybe you just know it. But you know that you can count on it. It's reliable. A new command comes along. How many years does it take for that new command to supplant the trust that you had in the old command? For instance, avconv. avconv came out, I don't remember when now. It must have been, what, two, 20, maybe 2010-ish? Maybe 2012 or 11? Something, I would say, around that time. 
And uh, it was a fork from FFmpeg. Of course it would be, right? That's all I ever talk about, FFmpeg. But, I mean, FFmpeg, that's a command I trust. I've known longer than I have known about Linux. That's how long I've been using FFmpeg. FFmpeg was the command that sort of opened up the gates to open source. So I shouldn't even say before I knew about Linux. It's before I even understood what open source was. I knew FFmpeg. And I was running FFmpeg. There was a, I've told this story before. I'm going to tell it really quickly now, just in case you're kind of newish, haven't heard this one. There was a GUI front end to FFmpeg. And I was using, I tr- I tried to use that for a while. And that got me into video conversion. And then I discovered through poking around that you could dig into the package that that was this graphical user interface. You could dig into it and, and get the binary, the compiled binary of just the FFmpeg command. And so I started using FFmpeg from a terminal on Mac OS X to convert video for people for money, which at the time I really, really badly needed. So I was I was doing terminal-based video conversion with this FFmpeg command that nobody knew about, nobody knew how to use because it was in a terminal, and and the GUI frankly was un just completely un- indecipherable. You could not. It was a it it, it tried. I'm sure it did a it, it tried its best. I bet to try to make it comprehend. It was not. It was incomprehensible. It was not easy to use. Um, and that was great. And that's how I got started down the path of like, okay, well, let's find out more about a terminal. Let's learn what that, what kind of power that brings. And that led me, of course, to Emacs, well, to Tetris in Emacs. Emacs led me to the GPL, and that led me to Linux. So, FFmpeg, trusted, reliable, very, very much for me. AVConv came out. And the first thing I thought was, well, you're going to have to demonstrate to me that this is an application that I can trust. Because FFmpeg I have a lot of trust in. I will admit, FFmpeg changing the options and changing the different the way that it works sometimes, it, it can get frustrating. So it's, it's not a super consistent command all the time. But it is a command that I know how it works, and I trust it, and I felt like it was very reliable, and it was a command that I just never felt would, would go away. I just felt like it was a project that was going to continue. And AVConv, as exciting or not exciting as it was, I don't know anything about it yet. I don't know anything about the people doing the project. I mean, I don't know anything about the people doing FFmpeg either, to be fair. But it, it's, I find, especially, I, well, I guess because this is the only place it works, but, but within open source, it's, it's relatively easy to fork a project. I mean, you go to a repository, you make a copy of the code, and you put it into your own repository. You get a little bit of internet press coverage on it, or a lot bit of internet press coverage, and all of a sudden everybody's talking about it. Potentially a distribution might even change default to your command instead of the old command if you get enough sort of drum up support. And then you're off, You're you're up and running. Does it last? That's another question. And that's, you know, in within computing, that's, uh, especially within Linux and open source for me, that's a, a really important component of, of whether I want to switch to something. Another example from, from sort of my bubble of a world, GIMP. It got forked uh, about two years ago. You might not have even heard of this one. It was called Glimpse. 
good little acronym, I think. I forget what it was for, but but Glimpse. There was, I think, even a book came out on Glimpse 1.0 or something like that. So it it was it was essentially GIMP. Uh, I think they they decided that they wanted to default to the I want to say Photoshop keyboard shortcuts. I think I think they had that by default. I could be could be wrong about that. And they they had a whole list of improvements that they were going to do. And not too not too long ago, um, it it dis- it was discontinued. It's it's no longer um, an active fork. GIMP, on the other hand, continues to make releases today. Uh, slow and steady, as always, but still, it's still there. And I'm not saying any of this stuff judgmentally. Uh, it's very difficult to maintain software. But I am saying that if, on a daily basis, you rely on, on specific software, then arbitrarily changing from the thing that has been there for you for 20 years, and then changing to something that has just gotten its very first commit last month, that's a that's a huge potential commitment. Especially, as I said, if you have scripts or, or just um, reference workflows or, or architectural patterns based on those things that have been around, again, for 20 years. You can go back and, and, and adjust all of those things over the course of the next two years because it, it, it's slow going to, to ensure that it's reliable going forward. It, it, it takes a lot of time, a lot of testing, a lot of accounting for edge cases, all that stuff. And then at the end of the two years, you might go to update the application you've just adjusted your entire environment for, only to find that it's looking for a new maintainer because all of its current, you know, all of the guys who opened the repository two years ago are, are, are suddenly too busy to continue. Or they've run out of funding, or or they just, they're, they're not interested anymore, whatever, whatever the scenario might be, however valid it might be. The, the, the point is that there's a lot, a lot to be said for reliability, kind of a proven, time-tested reliability. Now, I think that's a, a, a non-trivial component of, of this as well. I think, I think that's a big deal for a lot of people. I mean, I know it's not just me. There, there's a lot of people uh, in certain industries where it's, you know, the reliability, the time-testedness of it um, is, is not only a luxury of Linux, but it's, it's one of the major selling points of Linux. So I think what I'm saying is that I have noticed that it's hard to replace a command, both in the user's brain and sort of in the tradition of the, the, the wider system. And I'm also saying that it's not necessarily a bad thing that it's difficult to replace a command. It might be okay. I think, I think there's probably, I, I, I imagine an edge case, to be honest, but I'll bet there is an edge case out there where it has to happen because like the old command no longer compiles. Like it's just not working anymore. For, for a while, for me, PDFTK was exactly like that. PDFTK was the command. It, it depended on libpoplar to do some uh, fancy PDF stuff. And libpoplar at the time wasn't compiling on Fedora, like 30 or 32 or something like that. It was relatively recently. Um, and so PDFTK just didn't, didn't, didn't work. Luckily, there was a, a, a drop-in replacement command called pdftk-java, which compiled and ran fine on Fedora and other platforms. Uh, I, should, I shouldn't say drop-in. I think there were some, some features that were not implemented yet in pdftk-java that were in pdftk. Uh, it just so happened that none of those features were things that I'd ever used. So for me, it was a drop-in replacement, and I use PDFTK-Java to this day, even though PDFTK, as far as I know, is still around. 
and and certainly uh, Lib Poplar is is back up and running on whatever platform on Fedora or whatever. Maybe it wasn't Lib Poplar. Maybe it was something else. It might have been Pedofo. One of the two, or or something else that I'm not remembering. Some key component of it wasn't working. So so in that case, it was it was a, it was a decision. It was a choice. It was you could have nothing. Or you could use PDFTK-Java. And so that was a relatively easy switch for me. It, it made it, I guess, even easier, given that it was a drop-in replacement, given that it was available while the old one was not. I wasn't sure. I was I was aware, you know, that PDFTK-Java could evaporate. Like, it hadn't been around as long as PDFTK. I didn't know what the future was going to bring. But again, at the time... Because it was a drop-in replacement and it was working, that was a great reason to switch to it. It was one of the easier switches I've ever made, though. That was really, that was a simple, direct switch over. Which, I mean, again, like AVConv would have been a switch, uh, an easy switch to make. It was practically feature-for-feature uh, feature identical drop-in replacement for FFmpeg for for a while, at least. I don't know what its state is now. Haven't checked in on it lately, um, but it, I mean, it might have diverged by then. But I guess the the urgency wasn't there because FFmpeg was still there. So it was, well, why do I need to switch to AVConv if FFmpeg is still available? So I don't know. There are, there are lots of different sort of um, factors here when trying to determine, I guess, whether you yourself are going to switch to a, um, you know, sort of an approved quote-unquote command versus an old command. And I don't think any of them ought to be taken lightly. I mean, I think that it needs kind of an objective view. You have to look at your workflow, your environment, your scripts, you know, everything that that is sort of important to you on your computer and the things that you do on a daily basis and decide, does it make sense to move in this direction or should I just stay the course here until it becomes urgent to switch or should I start making a slow changeover now? Which I think that's a that's another option. You know, you don't have to switch over everything today, but you could have both both on your system, or you could you could be planning for cross. You know, for for uh, to to be able to switch over at some later date. Like I say, there are a lot of factors. I think you just need to kind of think about them carefully and and probably I guess identify the times that you're that you're not. So for instance, if config for for me for a long time, like I said, was just kind of pre-programmed into my muscle memory and into my impulse so i would just compulsively type if config when i thought of a, a specific task and certainly if i was still using if config to like bring up a network connection and things like that i i don't know how easy the ip switch would have been cuz bringing up a connection with ip is actually kind of complex if i recall correctly uh, in CLI kind of makes it easier, but then Network Manager makes everything easier, so maybe that doesn't even count. Um, but if config, I mean, it, it was it was a slow changeover for me. Um, I, I, you know, introduced IP commands sort of as I did new and different things that I didn't already have an existing sort of incantation stored for some other command. And then eventually I was able to port the simple stuff with ifconfig over to IP, and now I really haven't touched ifconfig in ages. Couldn't even tell you what system has it, what system doesn't. Maybe my my laptop, maybe it doesn't even have ifconfig. I don't know. I would I would not know. I because I just don't use it anymore. But it's it's taken a while, but that's that's true. And I mean, come to think of it, I don't honestly use Netstat that much anymore either. I, I generally use IP for routing tables, but to be honest, yeah, I guess I still use Netstat for a quick view sometimes of, of just some, if I need to check on something. 
So yeah, maybe that's the answer, a slow changeover. Maybe that's the right answer. Or or maybe, it, it you know, more realistically, it, it depends. What doesn't depend on a whole lot is that it is time for a cup of coffee. So stop whatever you're doing. Doesn't matter what you are doing. Just stop and go get a cup of coffee. That's what I'm going to go do. We'll come back, finish up the show. <laughs> back. I have coffee. You've got coffee because I trust that you did exactly as I said, which was to stop everything and go get coffee. So we all have coffee, and now it's time to talk about what I'm going to just say is a namespace of a task, which none of this, that's not a real thing. I'm just, I'm coming up with, with terms that make sense to me. By this, I mean there are commands on Linux by now that accomplish a specific task. And some of them are super obvious, like CD, uh, you need to change a directory. Sorry, I don't mean that the command itself is obvious, like CD doesn't necessarily obviously mean change directory, but I mean, um, or maybe, I don't, in fact, I don't even know if CD does mean, mean change directory. Maybe it means current directory. Is that what CD stands for? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. There's no man page for CD, so I have literally just no idea what CD stands for. Anyway, I don't mean that the command itself is obvious. I mean that the task is obvious, at least to someone using a, you know, who's, who's used to using a Linux terminal. You need to change a directory obviously. That's a command you're gonna need access to. You need to list the files in your current directory. Obviously, that's a command you'll need. You you need a uh, command to... I'm all out, actually. Those are the two obvious commands that I can think of. But there are less obvious ones, too. Like, not everyone knows that at some point in your life you might need to um, find the process ID of a specific process. Not everyone's going to do that within the first year, even, of them using Linux. Eventually they might get into that and they might think, oh, well, that's an obvious task that, that people would need to do. Not everyone realizes that sometimes you just want to see your routing table. I mean, a lot of users will never, ever need to see their routing table. They won't care. They won't need to know such a thing exists. It doesn't matter. And I would love that. I, I would love, I love that that's possible now. I, I, I think that's invaluable. But it's still kind of an obvious task that you're going to need at some point. The The thing about that, though, is uh, that a long time ago, the people who created Unix and then later Linux, uh, all those people first in, first served, uh, they got to create commands that become synonymous to the task. So for instance, listing a network, listing your network interfaces on a system, if config. That's the, if you know it, then that's the obvious choice for that task. You don't think of another command immediately. You think if config. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you think IPAS or at or show, whatever. Um, but whatever that command is for you, when you came into Linux and discovered, hey, you can list your interfaces with this command, th that command has become the command for that task. And I think as as um, as computer users and may maybe as just humans, we tend to think of, of tasks by the 
tool that accomplishes that task. And I, I'm, I'm assuming that that's probably true in real life as well. The classic example is that you need to drive a nail into a, a plank of wood. What does that task make you think of? Most people are going to think a hammer. Now, granted, there are sometimes better options. There are nail guns that you could, you just pneumatic uh, sort of gu guns that shoot nails. You can drill, you can drive those through a plank really quickly. In a pinch, if you don't have your pneumatic nail gun, then maybe, um, and you don't have a hammer, maybe um, a brick would work or a rock might, might be suitable or um, a really, really sturdily made camera. I, I wouldn't recommend that, but there are cameras out there, the old cameras made out of all metal parts, no electronics. Those will drive a nail if you try hard enough um, and hit the metal part, not the leather part. Um, yeah, so we, we tend to think of sort of like the tool that does the task rather than the task and then derive what tool we need from that task. Which I think is, I mean, that's an obvious and vital mental shortcut that we all take. Because you really don't want to have to reverse engineer everything every single time you go to do to do the thing. That's not efficient. You just think, I'm going to go build a bookshelf. I'm going to need some hammer. I'm going to need uh, some nails. And I'm going to need a hammer and some planks of, of wood. You gather those things together and, and you're good. I'm going to go change a directory in Linux. Well, you're going to type in CD. I'm going to list my interfaces. Well, you're going to type in if config or IPAS, whatever you learned. I think where this becomes problematic is, as I just spent the past half hour discussing, I think there's also a, um, there's, there's a, a potential problem here because then what happens is that we, we stop thinking of the task at all, in a way. I mean, we don't, but in a way we do. We, we don't think I'm going to list all my interfaces. We think I'm going to type in if config now. And in our heads, we know exactly what to expect from that from that command. And I mean, you can almost hear yourself talking to like a new intern who's uh, starry eyed and, and has never seen Linux before, really super eager to learn. And you and you say, okay, well, first thing we're going to do is uh, type in if config. Why would you say that? They don't know what that means. But I, I bet if you've ever had that, I bet you've done something like that before. I mean, maybe not to an intern or something, but I mean, I, I bet you've told someone to do something like that before and you never thought or, or you didn't think immediately oh i can't say that to them they're not going to know what that means i have to explain the task to them i mean i do it all the time i i, I tell someone okay so now just uh type in cd uh and and downloads and pr press tab well wait what does cd mean where do we get the word downloads from and why am i when am i pressing tab after i've completed the word downloads or or what like it just doesn't make any sense and then you think oh wait a minute okay back up we're going to change directory into downloads the command for that is cd which let's imagine stands for change directory wait a minute let's back up do you know what a directory is do you know why would we need to change to a directory well let's talk about file systems for a moment and you know it's just it's it's it, we we conflate all this like this whole world of things into one, a single command and then that command for from then on becomes synonymous with that great big enormous series of tasks that seems really simple to us and then when someone says hey that command is deprecated then we think oh darn uh i need to redefine this world of tasks that that command used to make available to me and figure out what's in that world and what's still there what's changed can i do netstat 
do I, can I just do ss instead of netstat, or do I need to also remember these other three random IP commands uh, for, for the edge cases that ss doesn't account for? It, it's a whole thing. And my question is, why are we doing that? Why, why wouldn't we instead define uh, commands like names of commands, and then and define what those commands are expected to do, and then we can put any code into that command namespace that we want. It doesn't matter whether it was written by um, Linus Torvalds, by uh, uh, Richard Stallman, or by um, Doug McIlroy, or Brian Kernigan. You know, who, who doesn't matter who wrote what. It's just that that command uh, exists. Oh yeah, Dennis Ritchie. That was another name I could have probably mentioned there. Just you know, throw that in there. Um, so it doesn't matter who wrote the code, as long as you know the input is what is expected and the output is what ex- is expected. It's essentially a, a, a computer-wide function. That's what all of these ba- really super basic commands really are. And then we don't have to worry about whether if config is deprecated or not, because if config is always there. Now maybe it's been updated with new code that, for whatever reason, is being maintained by someone else, or maybe there have been a bunch of vulnerabilities that have been patched and accounted for, or maybe there's been an adjustment because back when if config was originally written, there was no concept of having virtual connections, but now there's all these uh, tunneled connections and and virtual interfaces that we need to account for, all that other stuff. Doesn't matter. If config is still the thing that we think of and type for the, the the task you know for which it is known and it just it, it feels to me and and I could be wrong I haven't done research into this or anything but it, it does feel to me a little bit like we we you know because of the way computer and open source uh, developed I feel like it just kind of got just people got to come in and stake their claim over a certain domain and and there was no review o- about that later on and and I I just I kind of feel like it doesn't feel very very it doesn't feel like great design to say uh netstat is going to now be called ss except in some cases where it's going to be ip-r ip-i ip-g that doesn't feel great to me it doesn't feel right it doesn't feel sensible to me that if config is now all of a sudden ip and and that you can switch to ip and never think about if config again i mean did we ever need if config well yeah we did at the time but i mean but but now that's just a name that's just out there that's not like really getting used if you know what i mean like if ip is that much better than if config then why didn't we just why don't we just name ip if config then then we'd be then we wouldn't have to have we wouldn't have to just leave if config sort of floating out there sort of as this ungraceful sort of ending dissipating into the void it's just like well we can just use it we we can just keep using that name for the new stuff and i'm not arguing that we actually do that because i mean ip's scope is larger is greater than if config i think there's an argument that that wouldn't be the best way to 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 transition but i mean i'm just wondering whether maybe a little bit more thought about these sort of system-wide functions essentially could give greater consistency over the course of i don't know the next 50 years which i mean that's a long time to be thinking about but i mean then again if you'd said that to the unix people back in the 70s or whatever you know i mean they might not have designed things quite as well as they did. They designed it for a 50-year lifespan, and it's been great. It's been doing wonderful. So, um, wonderfully. Um, so why not plan for the next 50 years and this time say, well, okay, we're going to have these 
these names, these function names, we're gonna have to them we're gonna have them defined, and it doesn't matter what kind of thing. And I realize as I'm saying this, you're thinking, yeah, it's called POSIX. Yeah, it's it's called POSIX. Uh, that's what you're talking about, POSIX. I, I realize that. I know I'm talking about POSIX. So I guess maybe what I'm saying is we need to take POSIX further. I I think I think that that kind of system definition is really really smart, and I think it needs to be extended. I'm not even saying necessarily that everyone needs to um, agree to that. Weirdly, like for instance, I'm not saying that the um, that the uh, uh, video command or video convert command. I, I'm not saying that the FFmpeg project has to change its name to video convert. I'm just saying, what if there was a function, a system-wide function, a command, on all on all POSIX systems called, I don't know, video convert or whatever, media convert, you know, we'd have to, we could workshop this. Um, and, and it would probably, for the most part, get FFmpeg, uh, uh, it would be a symlink to FFmpeg, and all the options would probably be FFmpeg. But if someone wanted to change that and say, well, I think we have something better. We have something that'll do more threading. We have something that'll, that'll, you know, have cleaner results or whatever. Not that I think that FFmpeg has any problem with the quality of its results. Uh, I actually think it's quite good. Um, then, then yeah, they can do that, but, but all those options would still need to be there. I will say that the FFmpeg options could could probably stand to to be improved, but but again, like I'm I'm just imagining that that not a translation layer, but but certain certain expectations could be set and 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 followed. So um, I think I, I think that it could work for a lot of things, and, I, and it might seem a little bit silly at first because yeah, maybe some of them would just be well, like at, at this point, let's just use FFmpeg because I mean. Come on, media convert like with all the options of FFmpeg. Th th then we're just using FFmpeg. But think about other things like my favorite example, which I've probably mentioned a couple of times on this episode, on this uh, on this podcast, is install the install command. I, I to this day I cannot believe that I think that's the one that most of, that offends me the most. So install is admittedly it makes sense if i do a man install it says install copy files and set attributes and if functionally that's what an install is right you're copying commands from one place you're putting them into another place and you're making sure that they're set correctly so that they work where they've been placed functionally though install is drastically underused i mean even when we compile from source code most of us are using something like dot slash configure make make install and install by the way in that context is not the install command it make install that is a make uh, that's a function in make you're, you're you're triggering the install function of make so you're not even you're not talking about this command so this command is sitting on one of the most commonly used uh, words keywords for the act of inst of of making software appear on your computer and and this command owns it and all this command is really is a slightly inflated cp command in fact so much so that the description of gnu install in the man page says blah 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 if you want to download and install a ready to use package on a gnu linux system you should instead be using a package manager like yum or apt-get both of which by 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 the way are deprecated apt-get doesn't really is not the advised thing you just use apt uh, yum you don't use yum anymore you use dnf yum is actually symlinked now entirely to dnf or it loads the dnf python library or something like that i forget what exactly but yeah so 
So even in the man page, it, it's kind of, it has to excuse itself for being the phrase, for being the keyword that is the intuitive, the most intuitive thing. And I would just, I would give practically uh, anything for install to release its, its position so that people on Fedora and people on Ubuntu could type in the word install, or rather sudo install foo, and then they would get foo. Now, would they be all using the same application? No. That's what I mean about like the namespace, the, the system-wide function. They wouldn't be using the same thing. D the people on Ubuntu would be using apt on the back end. People on Fedora would be using DNF on the back end. People on SUS would be using zipper on the back end, and so on. But the command itself to most to to the user would be exactly the same thing. There might be a difference in the package name. I, I wouldn't mind us actually resolving that difference as well. But but the 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 interface would be the same and and that way also by the way when fedora decides and and red hat and uh, rel centos all those guys decide that they don't want to use yum anymore and would rather use dnf then there is no need to to change the command it would still just be installed now to their credit you can still type in yum and and again now you're not actually triggering yum you're triggering dnf so that's a lie but it's a good lie i think that's that's the kind of lie we need to be telling our users it, it's don't go don't bother changing all your scripts from 20 years ago you're still using yum except you're not you're using dnf but the results are going to be the same it doesn't matter but but why go to that trouble when we could just have system-wide command names i think i think there's something to that i think that could really really be i mean i think i would appreciate that and i don't know maybe maybe some people wouldn't maybe there are subtleties that i'm not thinking of it's quite possible but for me a well-designed system i think would have those persistent really significant functions or 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 those those namespaces for for tasks they would be defined the inputs and outputs would be would be very specific and any distribution and any anybody could then load whatever binary they want into that namespace and off you're you're off and running those are just random thoughts about commands Hope they've been uh, either informative or, or, or thought-provoking for you. Let me know what you think. Uh, you can reach me on Mastodon. You can reach me on email. All the details will follow. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. My name's Klaatu. You can reach me anytime over email with feedback or comments, tips, or just to say hi. My email address is klaatu at slackermedia.info. You can also reach me on the Mastodon network, not klaatu, at mastodon.xyz. The show's intro and outro music is by Fat Chance Lester. You can find their music on bandcamp.com or on gnuworldorder.info in the archive you'll find a music directory containing the album from which this music has been extracted until next time thanks for listening and keep the source open
you would all like some coffee. 